0: Welcome to the Energetically You podcast, where we will be talking about healthy habits, abundant mindset, and optimal wellness. I'm your host, Megan Swan, creator of the Sustainable Integrated Wellness Approach. At 30, I sold everything and went on my own eat, pray, love journey, if you will. And now, at 41, I'm still on my first stop here in Mexico. Loving life and Feeling more energy than ever before. This podcast is for ambitious women who are looking to level up their energy so that they feel happier and more productive throughout their day in all of their projects and passions. Inside we are going to be talking about ways to truly tune in to our minds and bodies in new ways to leverage our natural energy sources. So let's dive in. Welcome back to Energetically You. I'm so excited to interview Dr. Alice Kirby. I came across her profile and was just so intrigued. We have a lot in common, but she's doing a deep dive in a really fascinating area. Dr. Alice Kirby specializes in somatic experiencing trauma therapy and recovery coaching. She holds a clinical doctorate in physical therapy and is an expert in movement and working with the nervous system and body to unwind past patterns of trauma and chronic stress. Dr. Alice helps her clients and students to gently touch into past trauma patterns that are stored into the body. This leads to restored resiliency in the nervous system, offering a greater ability to make choices from a place of one's essential self. Love that. Empowered decisions. As a sober woman, she is passionate about bringing these tools to women in recovery to facilitate an engaged life that is hallmarked by ease. She is an avid outdoors woman and adventurer and is the creator and founder of the Sober Girls Hiking and Adventure Club. Her work has been featured in the Huffington Post. She recovers an annual Women of Sobriety Conference, Somatic Experiencing International, Yoga Vila Ashram, and the Amazon Corporation. She is a teacher, a clinician, freelance writer, lover of nature, and adventurer, living in San Diego, California. Welcome, Alice. Dr. Alice Kirby, I'm so excited for this conversation today. Please tell us, how are you in sunny California?
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well, thank you. Having a a nice day. I had lunch out in the sun today.
0: That was pleasant. Well, please give us a little bit of background of how these things that you are so passionate about became woven together? um, You know, where did the trauma informed? Where did the movement? Where did the sobriety? Did it all happen at the same time? Or were they different parts of your life that all came together in this beautiful culmination of things you do today?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, So it's definitely, you know, not, not linear, and certainly not all at once. I think, like most of us, I sort of learn as I grow. And, um add on things as they come into my sphere and into my awareness, and with the movement, I think that's always been just something I'm really passionate about and really drawn to. I, I love moving and um, I'm trying to I'm trying to do the short version of this of this <laughs> explanation. so I um for my undergrad, I'll share this. so I'm a physical therapist, I'm a doctor of physical therapy, and um, clearly that exhibits my love of movement because I chose to go down that career path rather than pursue alternatives in medicine. I was considering, um, getting a PhD in neuroscience and originally I was going to be a chiropractor and then I was going to go to, um, osteopathic medical school, but I finally settled on PT because I, a big part of it was that I got to be able to move at my job and I didn't want to just be sitting and doing research or just be doing a ton of, um, like medical documentation, which unfortunately is what a lot of primary care physicians do these days. Um, and for my undergrad project, I taught, I wanted to, I'm a belly dancer and this is something (laughs) I kind of, I pick up throughout my life in various, you know, times I'll be really into it and do a lot of performing and then I'll kind of fall off it. Um, but I had this vision for my undergrad. I was an honor student and had to do this capstone project. And so my project was, um, I taught this belly dance class for a semester, one or two semesters, and taught these college-age women how to dance, and I did a research project on the psychological and physiological effects of um, consistent belly dancing on college-age women, and we did this big performance at the end, I choreographed a bunch of stuff, and that was just super cool to have a project um, go over really well a in academia. And as a pre-med student, they were all like, why are you doing belly dancing? But I was just really into it. And it was so fun. And the results were so overwhelmingly positive. The, um, the benefits these young women got from just being in their bodies and moving their bodies in a new way and really being encouraged to move from a place of like creative expression and fun versus like hardcore exercise time and, um, things like that. hmm so, and then the trauma work I got into about four years ago, around the time I got sober, um, I, I've always been really interested in neuroscience. I love working with the brain. I love working with the nervous system. I like this whole idea of, you know, re- being able to consciously repattern, work with our brain's plasticity. And um, when I got sober, the therapist that I started seeing was a somatic, or she is a somatic experiencing practitioner. And I started doing that work along with some recovery work and it really, I feel like it really skyrocketed my recovery because I was able to actually feel good in my body. And, um, you know, I think I thought I was feeling okay in my body for a long time and I really was very disconnected and just operating on a, on a high alert pattern, a very high stress pattern. And that's one of the things that I work with very frequently now, because it's a pattern I'm so familiar with. And because it's so commonplace too, like so many of us have it, um, this overachiever pattern and this need to, you know, tie our worth to our productivity and, um, it can be, yeah, it can be really kind of damaging, um. Because it doesn't allow us time to a know like know ourselves at all or really land inside of ourselves, and so I think that leads to making decisions from places that are based on societal conditioning, based on fear, based on being rushed, based on stress, not really based on like listening to what we actually need or what we even want. you know I think that's a big curious exploration for a lot of people is what do I even want? what is my yes, and what is my no? Um, so after working with her for about a year, I decided to go take this, um, three year training through somatic experiencing. It used to be called somatic experiencing trauma Institute. They've changed the name to somatic experiencing international. It's the work developed by Dr. Peter Levine, and it's a specific protocol of working with trauma. It's a specific body-based modality. Um, and it's been great. It's a lot of the work that I do is based in somatic experiencing, Um, And I love it. It's wonderful to be able to pull in my background as a PT, you know, my professionalism, my medical background and work with women the way that I do, which is to help heal trauma and heal chronic stress and to bring in some of these other pieces like joyful movement and coming into our bodies, which is what a lot of SE or somatic experiencing is, is this ability to come in and to be at home in ourselves and to land in our bodies and go through life actually being present with what's happening in our internal world. So mm. yeah, that's kind of the, the somewhat medium length version of, <laughs> of, of all those
0: things. I love that. So can you break down like, what does a session look like? Or what does it look like when you're working with people? Is it multiple sessions? Is there like a set or really depends on the person? Does it need to be in person? Those Um, kind of things.
1: Sure. I do almost 100% of my work on Zoom. It doesn't need to be in person. And with COVID was actually kind of a nice benefit is more people started doing this work on zoom. So it's become pretty well accepted that it, it does work. And because we're working with trauma um, a lot of the time it could actually be safer for the person to have, to be in their own surroundings, right. To be in their own space. Mm-hmm. So we're taking away this, we're taking away the person to person, like physical connection, but for some people that's actually better to have a little bit of distance, especially for folks who have been dissociating for a long time or who are very vulnerable with being seen and heard. And that's, you know, that's a lot of us where coming out and being able to actually have someone witness and really see you when you're present and behind your eyes and in your body, it can be um, very vulnerable and a little scary. So the Zoom actually works really well for that. It helps if I can see people because part of my job is to track their physiology and to point out things that they might not be noticing. And Um, And that's also part of what can happen in a session is to sort of slow down what's going on in the body because our, um, our body and our nervous system tends to move through things much more slowly than our conscious brain where we're like this and then that, and then we're going to do this. If we can actually just slow down and come in and notice what's happening, it's interesting to see what kind of things will come up, how old patterns might show up and start to unravel, Um, emotion can come up a lot just from slowing down. So a lot of times the work I do is kind of facilitating that, that slower pace and really also encouraging people to begin noticing my clients to begin noticing, you know, what are they feeling in their body? Somatic experiencing works a lot with the language of sensation, because that's the language of our nervous system and of our subconscious brain or our reptilian brain, and so it's like a new practice to start coming in and noticing like what what's happening, what are you feeling, what sensations are going on. And it can really, when we become aware of our body on on that level and like in our bodies on that level, it also starts to facilitate really a much deeper sense of self-trust. And again, that makes it easier to go through life because when we trust ourselves and we're able to actually listen and respond to what's happening, because we've practiced enough that we know we can trust what our body's telling us, it makes things easier. It makes decisions easier. It makes relationships easier. There's less waffling. There's less unclarity, um, which doesn't really answer your question about what a session's like, but all of those things come up. Yeah. And it can be different. Sometimes there's more movement. Sometimes we growl. Sometimes we make other noises. Um, sometimes a lot of emotion comes up and we just work with that. Um, You know, sometimes people will have specific things that they want to work with. And so we'll dedicate session time to that. And then sometimes it's more just a review of the week or what's going on and slowing down and tracking the system to get to what's underneath. You know, maybe you're continuously irritated with this coworker. And then we find out this is some old pattern that is there. And so your your ability to respond to the coworker has been, it's kind of like stunted. This is just an example I'm making up. It's sort of stunted in there somewhere because that the ability for you to like express yourself and come into your authority with this other person you find annoying, maybe you got shut down when you were a kid and you tried to say you didn't like something and your parents said, go to your room. So we can kind of unravel those things and uncouple them so that you can now, um, come into maybe a place of more authority with the coworker and, you know, say in an appropriate fashion, like, Hey, that's not okay. You know, leave me alone right now or whatever it is. Um, so it can really look a lot of different ways. It depends who the person is, what they're working with and what their goals are too. I like to have you know clear cut goals set with people. I like to work in uh, session packages. I like to work over 12 sessions is typically the packages that I offer, but I do have some clients that just come, you know, that most of them come weekly or every other week and they just kind of do one session at a time. So that's there too, but the work takes a little while to integrate into kind of, have it be more natural for the individual to be able to practice some of these tools on their own. So that's why I like the three months, 12 sessions, because it really gives it a nice amount of time to integrate.
0: Can you take us back to your story at how you were conscious that it really helped you during recovery specifically? How was that? And, and what were you in what way do you, were you not in your body before you were sober?
1: Yeah, sure. And even in I think early sobriety and even being sober there can be a lot of disconnect um for a lot of us just because, you know, because we're not ever really taught how to be in our bodies. We're not ever really taught how to be connected, how to feel okay as who we are. Um for me, I always had a great like body awareness. You know, I was drinking the, the whole time I was in college and in PT school. So I didn't get sober till later. Um, I was always really good at movement. I was always this sort of spiritually oriented person, but I never could really like land in my body and trust myself. And part of that was that high stress pattern that I think can really come with, you know, higher education and having to like do, do, do all this stuff to get through it. But there was always some level of disconnect. And you know what it was for me is I was always like looking to relax. I really wanted to relax. And I think that's a big part of why I drank because I was trying to shut off the anxiety. I was trying to figure out like how to find that inner peace. And I was like running around trying all these things and A, the alcohol certainly didn't help. But also this fact that I just wasn't, like landed in my body. Cause I had no idea even how to go about doing that or what that was, but I was really looking for it in hindsight. I realized I was searching for that for a long time. I really just wanted to rest and I couldn't quite get there.
0: Can you maybe tease out a little bit what you feel that this kind of work helps or, or in what way it might be different for women versus men, or is it not really that different?
1: I mean, I think it's a little bit different for everyone because everyone's systems are different and we all have our own stories and packages of, you know, whatever patterning that's gone into it. Um, But it's also similar for people. And I've started to see the longer I've been doing it, there's kind of patterns that emerge. Um, I don't work with a lot of men. I do work with men occasionally. And certainly I have colleagues that I've worked with throughout my trainings that are men. It's a good question. It's an interesting question. I don't have a great answer for it Cause like my sort of, even my anecdotal kind of professional sample size is primarily women. I think for women, like coming into like being, being okay to have anger is a big thing. And I think for men, maybe that's a little different where I think there is a component of them being able to have anger too. Um, but it's different for men and women. I think that anger thing is just different because of societal conditioning and, um, hmm It's just something I've seen come up quite a few times of like being able to be empowered and to feel anger in a way that doesn't translate to like rage, which I think is oftentimes the pattern where it's either it's suppressed or it's like this crazy amount of rage um, that can be really overwhelming for people so that it's hard to even, or there's fear around feeling even a little bit of anger because it's like, oh no, once I open that, then it's, you know, level 10. I'm throwing plates or whatever. Um, and I think, I think that's different for men and women, but I, I, again, I don't work with that many men to be able to point out real specific differences that I've seen, like in a large enough sample size to say with any
0: accuracy, I have a lot of clients that have this exactly what you just said. You know, I think there's fear around expressing anger even though they're living out every, maybe not every day, but consistently in their lives, they're experiencing that they must live out mm-hmm. anger. And then coupled with self-judgment self that that's not appropriate. And it's just builds up this pressure cooker of emotion that they don't have a great way of, of expressing. So is there something that you like a tip that you help them in that moment, get more into their bodies and,
1: yeah. There's a couple of different ways that I work with anger. I think some of the things you just said are right on, you know, when there's a lot of self-judgment is to a, like stop judging all of these things that we're feeling. Like as long as it's, you know, if you're out of control and you're raging and stuff, then that you need to probably take a look at that. And, um, I'm not saying you need to judge yourself harshly, but that's probably behavior. That's not really helping you feel good or helping the people around you feel good. So, you know, let's try to figure out something, a new way to work with that. So we don't get dialed up to that level. Um, and a lot of times this anger is really justified, you know, for especially populations and groups, you know, and that's a whole other can of worms where we look at people that have been repressed for like centuries and decades, and there's this collective anger and it's very justified. And like, how do we work with that? Even as there's still repression and things like that still happening. And, that's like a whole huge other bag of worms, but it's very, it's very valid. So, you know, I want to mention that it's not trying to, I think, don't try to shut down the anger, like, and can you let yourself feel it without necessarily um, trying to expel it right away? And so I'll give an example of, of what I mean by that is instead of like punching a pillow, let's say, cause you're angry and that's, you know, something someone told you to do. So you're not actually feeling the anger necessarily. You're feeling what it's like to punch the pillow. Um, and so if you can actually slow way down and let your body catch up so that you actually feel the anger, maybe just, um, maybe punch the pillow really, really, really slowly and see what that's like. And I'm kind of doing it now with my hand and my hand in the fist and I'm like, okay. But just what is that like to move more slowly, to be really present with how the anger is showing up in your body? Um, does that feel different? So things like that. And there's other techniques I'll use. Um, there's things like a wall push and there's growling. And it really depends where the individual is in their system. Because sometimes that stuff can be overwhelming for people. Um, sometimes really simple things like just grounding, you know, noticing your feet on the ground, mm-hmm. like coming back into where you are now so that, you know, you know, is this like, can we be angry in our bodies in this moment or, or is our anger that's happening now, is that tied to a bunch of stuff that happened in the past and we've coupled it together and that's how we respond every time we get angry appropriate or not. Like, can we bring ourselves back to what's actually happening now? And then respond to this situation, um you know, give ourselves a minute to feel it, but then move forward, like being able to come into a bit of pause, grounding and orienting or tools I talk about a lot that are really helpful for that, just coming into this moment in our bodies, and then we can make a new choice instead of you know blindly reacting in rage or whatever it is it can be any emotion, but with anger, that happens a lot that's like out of controlness um mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes that's just response from pent-up anger, you know, that's happened for a long time. And so when we get angry, that's how we respond instead of stopping to assess actually what's happening.
0: I, I think it's really important that you mention the collective anger yeah. rage. Yeah. And I imagine a lot of your clients that are dealing with trauma, it's a completely understandable rage, right? Yeah. Is is helping your clients feel grounded uh, do you couple that with your passion for nature? Do you make that connection for them or are they kind of? Separate? Yeah,
1: I definitely encourage it. I mean, that's so much a part of who I am and, um, what I do, I did lead, I have taught a few workshops cause I have the sober girls hiking and adventure club, which is kind of a new, a newer project. So I haven't done a ton with it yet, but the members are great. And it's mostly online right now. So if anyone wants to join, come on in. Um, but we have done a couple hikes and I did a workshop where we did like grounding in nature bathing. And I have to say the first time I heard about nature bathing, I thought it was so dumb. And I was like, Oh (laughs) God, we need more of this. Like I, I go outside all the time, but it was really cool to actually go out and like with just the intent to sort of be really present with everything around us. And I'm, you know, I'm relatively present when I hike and I'm out in nature. I, I take in my surroundings. I feel my feet, but this was it was really different. Like it wasn't about trying to get somewhere or trying to move anywhere. We just all wandered around for like 10 minutes in this park and there were some nice trees and everyone kind of, you know, went their own way. And that was really nice. And so we did a whole, um, bless you, we did a whole nervous system thing, like where we did get to bring in nature and use that with some grounding and did some Qigong. It well, was really fun. I should do another one of those. It was really pleasant. Yeah. It was really nice at the end. Everyone was we did a gratitude practice at the end.
0: Yeah. It's really lovely. Felt good. Yeah. I'm a newbie, but I I love forest bathing and um, I'm going to take, I I might just join that, that club of yours. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize it was online. I just assumed it was something physical, local in, in California.
1: No, there's a lot of people in California and we've met a few times, but I mean, my goal with it really is to have pockets all across North America and train other people to be able to lead some of these somatic workshops. So to have like facilitators in different pockets. Um, it's just a big project. So I kind of gave myself permission to not have that at the forefront right now. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. And I love the, the online community. People are really supportive and Um, it's, you know, I'll go on and do lives and talk about backpacking stuff or sobriety stuff, stress management tools. It's fun. Cool.
0: I'm a new fan. Well, where is it best that people connect with you if they're looking to connect?
1: Yeah, people can check out my website. It's Kirby method, consulting.com. I have a lot of free stuff on there. I have a free, um, an anxiety, a healing anxiety ebook, which is on there. That's relatively new. I have a training to develop self-trust. is like a little 20 minute video training, but I walk through some of these practices. I do free talks. Um, I'd like to do them. I'd like to say I do them once a month, but I keep saying that and I, I haven't done one in months. You know, I try to send out a weekly newsletter, but it's it's probably been a month since I've sent one out. So um but yeah, I'm also have shifted
0: from weekly to monthly myself. Yeah.
1: And I think we all get so many emails, but because you know, because I do offer a lot of free stuff and occasionally I'll do paid workshops too. Um But I like to let people know what's going on when there's a free talk or a free thing where I'm going over these tools. Most of the, any kind of presentation I do is experiential in nature. So I walk people through the exercises. So you leave feeling different because that's the whole point with this work is to come into your body and feel better. I mean, to say it as simply as it is. Um but I'm also pretty active on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. It's not my best platform, but come on there and give me some love cuz I'm jealous of everyone who ha- has more like
0: action on there than me. Um but yeah,
1: Facebook you can find me under Alice Kirby. I'm on there a good bit.
0: Awesome. Is there some little daily practice or maybe shift or intention that you could leave us with that helps you
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I just do like my own daily practice that I've been pretty consistent with for a few months. Like I've really kind of reinvigorated it the past few months, probably six months is just, I do 10 minutes of silent sitting. Oh, and I recorded some affirmations and I'll listen to those before. And I really like that practice too. I actually learned that from Jocelyn Harvey, the way she creates affirmations. Um, You could check out her website. She's great but it's you essentially, I'll probably butcher this explanation, but I think you'll get the gist. You kind of look at things that you've already done in your life. um, So you know that they're true, you know, you've done them. And then you pull out character traits from those things. Like I went and got my um, clinical doctorate. So like I'm hardworking and persistent, like things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Tangible yeah, whatever. So that then when you, and then you record yourself saying these things and you can, um, she has a list on her site or you can just look up, you know, words, you you just look up words. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the end of the day guys. (laughs) Um, uh, but then you record yourself and you listen to them and I've actually really enjoyed that practice. Um, and I got these stones. I have this magical stone guy over here in Pacific beach. He's on the boardwalk, but this guy is great. He has these wonderful, Oh, they're amazing. I was like, Oh, whatever stones, crystals. <laughs> but I really, I have this collection of them now and I'll, you know, put them on my body and touch them and do my silent sitting. Um, I'll pull a goddess card for me that, I don't know. I really enjoy that practice. Um, I think anytime you can just take whether you do affirmations or stones or whatever, but anytime you can carve out designated time just to sit quietly, I I think that's the like one of the number one things to do. And just do it regularly and do it when it's hard and do it when you feel like you suck at it and just do it, you know. And I think if we can consistently dedicate that 10 minutes a day or a little bit longer, five minutes if you have that to just Trying to come into some stillness and listen to ourselves. I think that's really valuable in a world where we are, there's just a lot of noise all the time. You know, there's the internet and the world and everything's busy and we all have phones taking some time away from that. I is, I know that's really beneficial for me when I can do it
0: consistently. It sounds, at first, it sounds weird to listen to yourself, t- talking to yourself, but then
1: yeah, but it's Sorry. really
0: it's really also nice. Sounds very smart.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I was a little skeptical, but I really like it. Admire Jocelyn, and she's very um. It's good, I mean, she's many things, but she's not like a super woo woo girl. I guess I'll say that she's like very articulate and and quite professional, and she's just lovely. But hearing her talk about it, I was like, oh, I want to try that. um Oh, I also have a podcast people can check out. It's called Beyond the Pink Cloud. I interviewed Jocelyn, that's why I thought of it. So. I've interviewed a ton of really awesome, interesting people. It's really fun. Uh, I have had some great guests on there from the recovery world, from the wellness world, uh, from outdoor adventure world, just interesting people sharing, um,
0: sharing work that inspires them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alice. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. We'll be in touch. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening to Energetically You. I hope that this episode has helped you to tune into your natural energy sources so that you feel more energized and focused throughout your day. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us to help more ambitious women just like you accomplish their goals. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it on social or in your Instagram stories and tag me at Megan Swan Wellness. See you soon.